They are guides, all guides, and in unexpected places. You'll meet their friendly faces, and a ready hand besides. There's not much danger of finding you're a stranger for a commissioner or ranger. They are guides, all guides. Hi, and welcome to Guides Own, the unofficial guiding podcast where we talk about everything guiding. I'm Taryn. And I'm Marissa. Today we are talking about end-of-year celebrations in guiding, including virtual advancements and excursions and parties from our past. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the celebrations, we girl guides know how to have fun. Lady Mary Pellet certainly did, being the first commissioner of girl guides in Canada. She even hosted girls at her home for many valleys. And it sounds like a lot of fun. And we'll end the episode off with an equally lively song, Zena, which is all about singing, dancing, and celebration. Um, But before we start getting into that, we wanted to take a moment just to highlight one of our listeners. So every episode, you know we've been asking you, like, reach out to us, let us know that you're listening, that you're liking it. And someone finally responded to the call. Um, Her name is Eloise. And she lives in Perth, Western Australia, and she sent us a message on Facebook. And I just think that's amazing that she sent us one, and she's all the way from Australia. Yeah. It's not even, like, someone we know. It's it's a complete stranger. So far away. Um, but we're, I guess, we're, yeah, we're not really strangers anymore, I suppose, now that she's reached out. But, yeah, um, yeah we just wanted to give her a shout-out, because she was so kind in doing so. Um, I'll read a bit. I'll, I'll read her message out because um, it was really cute and I thought, you know, it'd be nice to share so that other people can see what, what people are sending in. And um, I did ask for permission, so it's all good. <laughs> okay, so this is what she says. Hey, guiding friends. I'm Eloise and I'm from Australia and a member of Girl Guides Australia. I stumbled across your podcast when the stay-at-home orders were put in place for Australia. I'm a brownie leader in Perth, Western Australia, and I'm loving the podcast. It's so interesting and fun. Hopefully, you will do an episode on Girl Guides Australia in the near future. Thanks for the podcast. XX Eloise slash Quokka. Um, I really like the end of that. I'm not really sure what the Quokka part is meant to be, if it's like a nickname or... I would assume it's her guiding like guide name. Term. That's my That's guess. what I thought too, but I I tried to search. I searched um, Quokka Girl Guides Australia and nothing came up. Um but I do get some cute facts about quokas that I'll just I'll share a couple because they're kind of cute. Um, so a quokka, if you are unaware, is a small wallaby that is native to Rottnest Island, which is just off of Perth, which is where she's from. So I thought maybe that's why. Maybe she just has an affinity for quokas. And I mean, <laughs> they're really cute. Um, apparently, they are known as the happiest animal in the world due to their cute and friendly appearance. And if you search quokka on Google, you'll find... <laughs> these really cute images pop up and you've probably seen them as memes floating around um, just because they're so adorable. They have like big eyes and like, it looks like they're always smiling and happy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she'll, she'll probably tell us why because she'll hear the episode and think, Oh, okay. I got to tell them. But um, cool. It would be really cool if it's like a guiding name, mm-hmm. but who knows? It'd be cool. Like I know here in Canada, some people refer to themselves as Canucks, or they used to. I don't know if that's an older thing. I but, don't um, care if like, anyone like refers to themselves as a Canuck in forever. Oh, okay. um, oh yeah. I feel like it's an older term. But. Yeah, mm. but I f- like. I wouldn't be surprised if it was her guiding name. Um, yeah, I know lots of Canadian guiders have various animals as their guiding names. Um. Mostly different owls from brownies. Um, mm-hmm. I know. I mostly only know brownie spark- and spark leader, so I have lots of owls yeah. and lots of gems. Gems, yeah. I was a. I can't even remember. I don't know. It had to do with me when I was in Pathfinders and Rangers. I switched colors. I was green and a green gem in Pathfinders and a red gem in Rangers. <laughs> so. But anyway, um, it's a really nice message from Eloise, and yeah. um, so this is incentive for all the rest of you listening. Um, if you want to get a mention on our podcast, just send us a message and we'll shut you out. Um, and I'm really excited um, to cover Girl Guides in Australia. I don't yeah. know why that never occurred to me before to just start covering Girl Guides in different countries, but I was like, it's a perfect idea. And maybe 
If you'd like to hear us talk about girl guides from your country, send us a message and we'll do a whole episode on it. Yeah, I have, I haven't had like this kind of message from someone, but I heard from someone on Reddit um, saying that she's been really enjoying it. Um, just as like a comment as I posted our episode one week. Um, and she's very excited to hear all of our world centers. So she has two. She has three more to wait for. We'll get there. Um, That's exciting. But they suggest I love hearing um talking about the gold award in the US. Um but I think mm. we'll need to uh do some more research and figure that out. Yeah. I uh I definitely don't know anything about Girl Scouts in the US except for the cookies. Sorry. Um and then I think the other thing too is that if you're going to send stuff in, maybe point us to some real truth, truthful um, links that will give us real good information. Mm-hmm. I, I would hate to say anything about something and it was incorrect, and then they come after us and be like, yeah. "Actually, that's not the truth." <laughs> definitely. Um, but yeah, I'd be excited to cover all different sorts of topics. Yeah, definitely send them in. We like we are in Canada. Like we're definitely going to naturally um lean towards what we've experienced here but we're curious we want to know about guiding all over the world like there's a reason why we're still in guiding in our 20s <laughs> um there's a reason why we started the and podcast we're both, yeah we're both travelers so like yeah if i can't visit them right now because travel's not a thing i'd love to learn about it still mm-hmm. um i have i like have this weird like i really want to go camping and like also kind of want to go to a jamboree right now because we talked about them recently and I'm like oh I just yeah I miss it I miss it a lot yeah and I I think also from last year like this time last year I was starting to get ready for my trip so I'm yeah I'm feeling it yeah I'm lucky that um we me and a couple other guiders um in the area are talking about doing a canoe trip this summer and kind of getting our camping on and getting out and doing some fun stuff. Um, so hopefully, you know, we can figure it out, get campsites. Yeah. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking forward to it. We're ho- we're hopeful. Yeah. And I'm hopeful, too, for everyone and for guiding in the fall when it returns. Um, I know we have our last meeting next Tuesday. Um I know. I'm sort of relieved to sort of have a break because it feels like it's been nonstop, like trying to plan things that the girls will actually be interested in, and like and like trying to modify everything so we can do it over like distance. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, both activities I ran this week involved a lot of altering to make it work for online meeting. Um, Yeah, definitely. Ready for Babel, you know, just follow the instructions and not have to come up with basically yeah. a whole new activity. And it's funny because at the beginning of this, a lot of people were like already sick and tired of it, but it's only been up until like this point now. How many months are we into it? We're April, right. May, June, three and a half, three and a half. Yeah. Um, almost three and a half. And I am finally feeling that like I need to. Like, I want to go out and see people. It's not that I need to go outside. Like, I can go outside, no problem mm-hmm. here. Um, but it's like, I, I need to go see other people and do things with other people. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure everyone else is feeling the same. If not now, soon you will be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can uh, imagine. It's starting to get but, to, um, like, I haven't seen my parents since I got married in February. Like, wild. and it's just... I think the fact that we got married, like, just as everything started, like, just before everything started going crazy, it's, like, an inconvenient thing to be able to have. Like, oh, we got married three and a half mm-hmm. months, four and a half months ago. Um, Let's go do something. Oh, wait, everything's closed. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's been tough. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the day we can also celebrate all again in person. There's so many things that I like everyone's been missing out on. So like weddings that were supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. But even girl guide celebrations, like there's so many things that have happened have needed to happen virtually. And I know we're gonna be trying to do advancement virtually on Tuesday for two of our girls. And it's really sad that we can't 
be there in person. But we yeah. are going to hold off enrollment for our first years until we can meet in the fall. We did ask them what they preferred. Yeah. And our girls said wait until next year. So it's fine with us. I yeah. Mean, it's what they want. We just need to make um, something extra but- special for them next year. Yes, exactly. There's just it's gonna be next year's just gonna be all celebrations. We're just gonna catch up on all the yeah. celebrations, and that's just gonna be the year. And I'll be totally fine with that. Yeah, I I will love that. Um, yeah. So speaking of which, we're gonna talk about end of year celebrations, um, both virtual and non-virtual. So anything mm-hmm. that we've done in the past and um, things that we've really enjoyed in terms of celebrating advancement um, and the end of the year. So yeah. in episode six, we had briefly mentioned advancements but we wanted to sort of talk more about them and more about just celebrations in general um and so many units have their own way of celebrating um it really depends on who you're with and what the girls usually like to do um we usually just leave it up to them sort of and say like what do you want to do especially with pathfinders um especially with pathfinders they're old enough to know what they want to do and how to celebrate um and that way it gives the unit um, and gives them a little bit more um, say and let them bring their personalities into it a little bit more versus with younger girls where you just kind of tell them what to do. And mm-hmm. It's usually still pretty fun, but they definitely don't get yeah, that much of yeah. a say. And I find with um, Pathfinders, and I'm sure it's the same for Rangers and maybe even Guides too, is that they get more adventurous and they want to actually go out and do something mm-hmm. physical. So I know we've had requ- requests for um oh what's it called the soccer in the giant inflatable balls um bubble soccer there's a word for it bubble soccer that's it um there's a place locally to us that has um a mini putt that's really good they have a really good mini putt um they've got two courses that are great and we've gone there once um that well i was part of the unit and we did advancement there so um i think the rule was for the girls earning their Canada cord um, once they got a hole in one, they would get awarded their Canada <laughs> cord and like, it would get like a feather bow put on them and a, like a lay and, and would be awarded right there in the middle of the cord. So <laughs> it was very fun. We've got lots of great photos of it. Um, definitely recommend if that's like a fun thing you think you would like to try. Yeah. Um, that one's a good memorable one. I can't, we didn't really do advancements with my Pathfinders and Markham. We, um... We had a couple strange years where we didn't have any girls uh, get their Canada cord for a couple different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And then, for whatever reason, we just never, you know, did it. Um, but we did treetop trekking. We got one of our girls received Ooh. her Duke of Ed. Um, so we did treetop trekking and awarded it to her in the middle of one of the uh, obstacles, um, which was fun. Um, but the big advancements that I remember is one as a spark leader, we would take the sparks mini golfing. Um, <laughs> five and six year olds don't understand anything about mini golf at all. Um, they get that you can't touch the ball with your hands and you have to use the putter and that's it. It is <laughs> so much fun. It is an hour of chaos. Um, and then we treat them to ice cream and send them home. Hyped up. Um, yep. But it's that's the only way to do it in guiding. You have to send them off to the parents full of sugar. Yeah, and we were really good. Like as Sparks leaders, we only really had cake or anything like uh enrollment and advancement, and like because they were so little, we didn't really do that many outings. Um. Mm-hmm. So we made up for it with advancement one week with cake, and then mini golf the next with ice cream <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that too because i remember now that um when we were doing our pathfinder one at this mini putt place there was also another girl guy group and mm-hmm. i think it was either sparks or brownies they were younger um and i was like oh yes that's gonna be chaos <laughs> yeah because there's those groups also or those units tend to have a lot more girls in it because that's sort of when the interest is starting off mm-hmm. and you know everyone's joining and it's like good fun when and girls start to drop off as the um as they get older so yeah i can't imagine like leading a group of 20 sparks around a mini putt i just we had a ooh. lot of parents stay the mini golf place we went to mm. was about 
a 20-minute drive from our usual meeting place. So we'd have a lot, either, like, friends would carpool up or parents would come up with siblings and siblings would play the other course. Um, So, like, there was way more hands that needed to help wrangle all the kids. And we had good, like, especially by the time it's the end, like, the end of Sparks, the girls are pretty good and they understand how to follow the rules and when you say stop or don't, they usually, you know, don't push that line <laughs> too far. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Well behaved. Yeah, they can they can definitely get that way too. It's closer you get to the end of the year, but yeah, it's all good. I know last year our girls decided they want to see a movie. I know there were also various options and there were certain things we couldn't do based on the night day um week of the night that we met mm-hmm. and the time we met. Um, I can't remember what they had originally wanted to do, but we couldn't make it happen. So we decided to go see a movie. Um, we ended up seeing Aladdin. Yeah. Um, which was pretty cool. Um, you were there, right? I, I was. I feel like you were. And I was very were, surprised. Okay. One of the girls got me a thank you gift. I was not expecting that at all. Oh, I can't yeah. remember who it was. Um, but it might I, have been Emma because I remember getting a bag of candies from like Emma a, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a big bag feeling, too. Yeah, it was such a big bag. It kept me going all summer. Um, but I remember being like very appreciative of that thought because you know I left my unit and so I didn't get anything from them. I wasn't expecting anything. Um, so it was mm-hmm. nice to get that little surprise. It is. It is very nice and like definitely not needed, but I'm no. very much appreciated. Yeah. It's- Girls shouldn't feel like they need to do that. Um, I feel as a guider, I and I don't, I mean, I don't speak for every guider, but I feel like I speak for most when I say, like, our volunteering, like, our spending our time in guiding is our passion. Like, we're not looking to get anything out of it other than being able to spend time in guiding. Yeah. And, like, I find for me, too, is, like, passing on my passion for guiding. Like, I want other girls to feel like they're going to keep going mm-hmm. all the way through and come back because um, that's what it did for me. Definitely, yeah. Um, so this year, because we can't, you know, actually go out and have a party or get together or anything, we're having a virtual party and advancement. Um, and like we always do, we ask the girls what they wanted, and we're, you know, making a craft, which I still need to figure out. Like, I don't have cans. I need to figure that out still. <laughs> If you, I should, you know what? I'll drop one off at Tina's and you can pick it up from her okay. or something. I don't know. I have extra. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so we're making candle holder, candle holders, I guess. Yeah, lanterns. Yeah, lamp- you like there you go. Coals That's the and can, and you got a light in there. Yeah. Um, and Scriblio, which is Pictionary, from what I understand. I've never yeah. played it. Um, but definitely, I think the girls are going to have a ton of fun, and there'll be lots of giggling. Yeah. Um, this is, like, sort of, I think, what they were looking for. And like you said, we asked them, and this is what they told us they wanted. They yeah. also said they wanted to bake something, so we've arranged to put something um, in their goodie bags, which we are also going to be delivering. It's going to have all sorts of fun things in it. I won't mm-hmm. I won't spoil anything in case one of them's listening. Yeah. But. It's just full of fun stuff that they're going to like and what they requested, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely fun, and hopefully it's memorable. Well, it definitely will be memorable no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. They're definitely old enough that they will remember this for years and years and years. And, yeah. Uh, hopefully we can include some fun, happy memories along with all the stress and anxiety and yeah. disappointments that they're also going to remember for... A very yeah. long time to come. Yeah, it's funny because I was putting together our the video, the end of your video that I said I would make, and um, I finished it today. I did it all in one day. It was pretty easy. But um, I was like, I selected two songs, and as I was playing through it, I started to like almost get teary, and I was Aww. like, oh gosh, I hope I don't like break anyone's heart watching this. Especially because we have some leaders leaving, and I'm like, oh, I hope they don't like. I hope this isn't too emotional. But I, I, I feel like maybe I'm just a very um, emotional person, and maybe it just got to me, and it won't affect anyone else. But Who knows? <laughs> I hope it, hope it's enjoyed. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like a little other thing we wanted to do for them too, is sort of reflect back on the year that we did have while we 
were meeting them personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so other groups, um, you know, either in real life or over, you know, the internet have, you know, come up with a couple own of their own different ways. So some groups are doing virtual Disney mm-hmm. trips, which is super cool. I didn't yeah. realize that you could do virtual ride or virtual rides at Disney. Um, it seems I didn't either. Cool. I don't know. I've never been to Disney. My parents never. I haven't either. Me. I'm in the same group. My brother got taken multiple times, but I never got to Ooh. go. Um, and my parents do listen, <laughs> and they know how unimpressed I am, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> and then some other groups are doing virtual sleepovers in camps, um, which is so much fun. I have yeah. loved seeing over social media the last couple weeks or months. Um, all the virtual campouts people have been having. And it looks like the girls are having so much fun. You know, their little fake fires with marshmallows. <laughs> they always yeah. make me smile. Yep. And there's also been people arranging um, to do paint nights with their girls, um, which is really cool. There are some that I remember when lockdown first like was in place, there were a couple um paint night groups that were offering a few virtual ones that were free um and some were being like some you had to pay but um that's also an option because in the end like if you're paying for that it's usually not too pricey yeah and then the whole group can paint the only trouble i find is getting the supplies because not everyone will have paint mm-hmm. um the canvas sometimes you can fiddle with you can just use whatever you've got but you yeah. really do need paint and if you don't have paint you can't really paint but um some leaders um and other groups have been able to figure it out um there's also been virtual escape rooms which is really cool i haven't even looked at any of them but i've seen a lot of links posted and i've like been very curious about them especially i've seen a lot of harry potter ones and i'm thinking that would be really neat i will have to look into that maybe for next year if we're Still doing virtual things. Hopefully we're not still doing virtual things. Fingers crossed. I know I want to get mm-hmm. back to in-person meetings. They are way more fun. It's nice being able to spend that time with the girls. Yeah. Um, and I was, I've i already started thinking about the fall. And like, how would you... Like, it'll be so awkward to meet... It's already awkward enough to meet new people. Like, in person, it's going to be really strange doing it yeah. virtually. Um, we're lucky we had, like, a decent relationship with all of our girls before... We went into this like we had a girl yes. meet or join us in January, but everyone else has been with us since September. No matter we'll what, we'll make it work. Um, yeah. The other thing that I saw somebody post about in terms of your last meeting of the year is doing um, the three stars and a wish, and I was like, ooh, maybe if we have time on Tuesday, we'll do it with our girls. Um, mm-hmm. But it's if you haven't heard of it, you just every girl comes up with three things that they thought were stars for the year. So three things they really liked and enjoyed and would want to do again. And then one wish, which is one thing they wish they could do next year, wish they would do differently that happened this year. Um, And it's just a good way to reflect. It's an easy, easy way for them to figure things out. And you can even do it um, with the younger branches and you don't necessarily have to do three stars. And I wish you could do one star and a wish. Um, Mm -hmm just to make it easier for them to come up with ideas. But um, it's something that can be very helpful I yeah, think, when you're revising it, and planning for the next year. Yeah, we did it with the Sparks a lot. Um, and, like, the hardest part with Sparks was they don't know words. Or they don't know how to spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, yeah. <laughs> even at the end of the year, some girls still really struggle with it um so we'll get them to draw pictures and we can usually figure out what they want or like we'll look over it before the girls leave and we'll like ask questions um but it is super helpful like making sure we know what the girls like and have enjoyed that year um and what maybe they didn't so we know how to you know plan for the next year and what activities to do Mm-hmm. I think the wish part is really important because I think girls are quick to say what they really like, but maybe aren't as quick to say things they didn't enjoy. And so this is yeah. sort of an easy way to get the honesty, the truth out of them mm-hmm. um, and not so that it doesn't offend anyone either. Yeah. Because, um, you know, some leaders may have put a lot of time into a certain night and a girl just didn't enjoy it because it just wasn't something, wasn't you know, perfect. that she likes. Like for me, I'm not huge into math or engineering. And I think last year we had... 
I know we had a math night and I was like, yeah, this is okay. It definitely wouldn't have been my favorite. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, th- those things aren't necessarily what I love, but you know, I, that's, that would probably be a wish if I was a girl that age, I'd probably say, yeah, math activities are not my favorite. I already get enough of that in school. Yeah. Um, one of the nice things about doing like math or engineering stuff in Pathfinders is they see a different side of it versus the school side, which can suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but having the, um, you know, actual real life scenarios can be fun. But yeah, definitely not my, for whatever reason, in engineering, math still isn't my favorite subject. Um, <laughs> physics definitely isn't spend way more time thinking about physics than I ever thought I would in my life but (laughs) the rest of my job is fun so I'll deal with it (laughs) yeah Um, yeah so those are some really great ideas and I'm both past and present things you can do virtually and in person when that's allowed again Um, and all very good celebrations yeah Um, share with us what you're doing with your girls in this virtual mishmash of a year um we want to we want to see what other people are doing and how they're mm-hmm. making do um i guess that brings us to she was a girl guide you know there's no real good transition this week between the two um but our she was a girl guide you know is like we said earlier the first commissioner of girl guides of canada lady mary pellet Nancy Reagan, Helen Hayes, Jan Davis, John Sauvé, Carrie Fisher, William's sister, Shirley Temple Black, Tammy Duckworth, Kathy Frost, Candace Bergen, Lucille Ball, Debbie Reynolds, Princess Margaret, Hillary Clinton. Did you know she was a girl guide? Busting down the door a hundred years or more. Did you know she was a girl guide? Here to let you know she was a guide you know. Did you know she was a girl guide? Here to let you know she was Lady Mary was born on April 16th, 1857 in Toronto, Ontario. Or, I guess, is that Ontario? Was that Upper Canada? It's so long ago. Oh, gosh. I I know geography now, but, I mean, (laughs) over the years as it changed, I couldn't keep track of that. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, And we will have lots of people correct us, I'm sure. Um, but mm-hmm. she was born in Toronto, which definitely existed in 50, 1857. Um, and she got married to Sir Henry Pellet in um, 1882. Um, so uh, Mary Pellet was, you know, born in a, or was fairly well off. She attended a private Anglican school called Bishop strong school um in toronto um, which seems like a pretty cool school it still exists today i did some research into it it's a private boarding school in toronto now um has some pretty significant um alum including carolyn cameron from sportsnet she's one of the blue jays broadcasters which i thought was cool um, and a couple women hockey players and some actresses and filmmakers. So pretty cool people. Um, and she was appointed as the first chief commissioner of the Dominion of Canada Girl Guides in July 1912. Um, so definitely a different name back then, but mm-hmm. I guess that uh, kind of shows that fact that you know we weren't really a country yet um we didn't really become a full country on our own until after the first world war even so um yeah um and yeah, very cool yeah when she was appointed chief commissioner by lord and lady baden powell um the guiding and scouting movement wasn't new to her or her husband um Henry Pellet was at a Boy Scout parade um, in London at Gunsbury Park in 1910. Um, so they were already fairly familiar with the guiding and scouting movement, um, which is probably why they were, or she was chosen, um, being an influential family 
in Canada. Um, and, you know, familiar with the movement and familiar with the Baden-Powells. Um, yeah. When she was appointed the first commissioner, there's already 250 companies across Canada um, that had popped up over the first two years of guiding in Canada. So guiding kind of got in uh, fast and became super popular really quickly. Um, and one of her first things as commissioner was to find a headquarters in Canada to have kind of, you know, that place in Canada where girls can call their own. Um, which she did pretty quickly. They found a place. So she was appointed end of July. They had their opening um, before Christmas that year. So within six wow. months, they found and opened their headquarters. So definitely was her first priority. Um, even though there was a quite a bit of pushback from um, society, like larger society, on a whole in the early early days of Girl Guides. Um, but Lady Pellet was quoted in 1912 saying, The girls will be mothers over citizens by and by. We must train them for womanhood for, and for citizenship. That is the purpose of the movement. Who said it meant to be unsexing? It is not an imitation of the Boy Scout movement. For there's no military militarism in it. Um, it is purely a woman's scheme. So, you know, definitely wanted everyone to join. And for the same reasons that we want girls to join now. It's to prepare them for life. It's to prepare them for when, you know, they grow up and are women and, you know, out in the world. Um, making yeah. sure they're prepared and, you know can do whatever they want to do and can see themselves doing whatever they want to do. Um, one of the big things that Lady Mary Pellet's known for is hosting girl guides um, on the grounds of Casa Loma, her home at the time, um, which is a beautiful, it's not really a castle, it's a very large mansion. It's, it's I don't sort know. of looks castle-like with all the brick and like yeah. the... They're not really towers, but, you know, like, tiers, towers, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, so it was built in the Gothic style. So it does look very much like a castle from outside, but apparently you need to be mm-hmm. so big to be a castle and it's not big enough. I didn't get into it. Uh, yeah, it was, it's like a very nitpicky architecture thing. Um, uh, architects. Yeah, <laughs> but she would hold rallies and parties and skating events. Um, it was definitely a place for guides across the country to come and just have fun and meet new people. Um, she also would have trips to her family estate um, in King, Ontario, which is about 50 kilometers north or a 50 minute drive north of Toronto. Um, so... Not far, but, like, back in, you know, the mid-1800s, it was, or the early 1900s, it was, sorry, uh, a bit of a track. It would have been, it wouldn't be a day trip, for sure. Um, yeah, um, they would host events at both Casa Loma and her family estate regularly, a couple a year um, like we said, rallies in the summer, skating in the winter, parties, all sorts of stuff. Um, and they were a regular thing. Like, they happened, you know, two or three year every year until she ended up resigning in, uh, 1920. 21, sorry. Um, she had to resign due to her failing health. Um, but still stayed active, um, even if she took a step back. Um, so kind of a timeline of her, um, participation with the Girl Guides. Um, so she was appointed, or warranted, actually, the Chief Commissioner, um, in July 1912. Um, a year later, in March 1913... Um, the visits started at Casa Loma. 
1913 as well, Lady Palette worked to um, organize, worked with the organizers of the X, the Not Canadian National Expedi- Expedition. Ugh, sorry. Um, which is a huge deal even today in Toronto. It's like the big end of summer event. Um, a lot of people are heartbroken that's been canceled this year. Like it is how people celebrate the end of their summer. Um, but they, or she worked with them to organize, uh, Women's Day activities and display badge work and exhibiting, um, what we do and guiding events and activities. Um, in 1914, as, you know, the war was starting and, you know, things were getting a little rocky in Europe, she requested guides to contribute toys, books, and gifts of clothing to the children of Belgium, making sure, you know, giving back, um, you know, being that good girl guide. Um, in 1917, um, so... Girl Guides was incorporated by an act of parliament, which means that in order for anything, like a name change or anything to happen with Girl Guides, we need to be, you know, allowed to do it by parliament, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, like, we are officially incorporated by the government. Um, In 1917, they incorporated us under the name of Canadian Girl Guides Association, um, and then when they changed it in 1962 to Girl Guides of Canada, Guides to Canada, um, it also had to be changed by an act in Parliament. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It was all stuff I didn't didn't know about. Yeah. Um, and that's when seven year olds were allowed to join too. Until then, it was for <laughs> you know slightly older girls. Um, but in 1917, they decided to let slightly younger girls join. Um, and Which then means brownies, I think, at seven years old. Yes. So then they were called. Oh, I didn't write it down. They were called well, like, not brownies. Yeah, rose drops or rose buds. Um, yeah. But it was changed a few years later in 1921. They were officially called brownies at that point. Um. So, yeah, they uh. The new name, or the current name, kind of changed pretty quick. Um, Lord and Lady Baden-Powell visited Castle Loma um, in 1919, um, and there was a huge rally held, of course, um, and um, Lady Pellet was awarded um, the Silver Fish, which at the time <laughs> was the highest award that a girl guide, or adult girl guide could get. Um, I thought it was a funny name, but... Mm-hmm, yeah. it is. Um, yeah. and then a few months later, in August 1919, uh, she presented the address of welcome from the Canadian Girl Guides to His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, Edward VIII. Um, so, again, as we've talked about many, many times, um... Royalty and guiding are pretty close and makes sense that um, whenever royals come, guides are not too far away. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in 1921, two of her last acts as commissioner was creating the Ranger Program for Senior Guides um, and helping formalize the Brownie Program for Young Guides. Um, and then she resigned later that year due to her failing health. Um, and then she died in 1940, 1920, yeah, 1924, um, uh, suddenly from a heart attack. And the girl guides formed a guard of honor. Can't talk tonight. Um, and she was buried in her uniform, which is very sweet, you know. She definitely was a guide through and through if she, you know, embraced it to the point where she wanted to be buried in that uniform. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like it, too. I mean, she was very committed to yeah. the Canadian Girl Guide movement and, like, seems to have been at all the important events and was very welcoming in having girls coming into 
her home or like her, I guess her backyard, whatever you want to call yeah. it, right? And having rallies um, and all that. That's, and she made a point yeah. of making all the girls feel welcome. Um, there's a quote from one of the newspapers at the time saying that the guides felt perfectly at home for Lady Pellet is a thoughtful hostess. And she saw it to that there was nothing of a formal nature to embarrass the girls. They enjoyed themselves immensely without riotous prompting, without riotous prompting or unseemly conduct of any kind. Lady Pellet showed her confidence in them by allowing them to roam at will through the beautiful conservatories. So, you know. And they are beautiful conservatories, I will say. It is, I mean, I'm assuming it's as well kept as it was. Um, yeah. And, like, historically accurate, but, um. I have visited Castle Loma once. Um, I've seen it many times from the outside as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it is huge. It's a big thing in Toronto. Um, it's all the big events are there, especially yeah. like for celebrity things too. I know there's a it, during Halloween they um, they had like a some sort of Halloween haunt type thing where it's like you can go and get scared if you're into that. Yeah. Um, but I've heard it's like an upscale version of like your typical um, farm, like Halloween haunt. This is like a nice, like classy place to go and get scared <laughs> from what I've heard. Yeah. And um, girl guides used to be able to have sleepovers there. I don't think it's allowed anymore. I'm not entirely sure, but the last and my first and only time that I went was as a, um, big giant girl guide sleepover and units from all over were coming. And um, so we took the bus, a school bus with a bunch of units from our area and um, yeah, tried to um, the bus tried to get into the parking lot. Um, That's a separate (laughs) story. But anyway, we did arrive and it was really cool. We got to have tours of the building. Um, The older girls, when it was later, um, were allowed to go on a tour like underground, go to the, I forget what it's called, but like it was underground and across the road is where they kept their horses and their carriage house. Yeah, it was the carriage house. But um, yeah, and the tour guide gave us sort of a little haunting story as we went underground to try to, you know, scare us a little bit. And then we went up into the tower um, and you could see sort of see you could see the city from the window and you could see the CN Tower and uh it was really cool. Um that's cool. I recommend going even if you can't do a sleepover with girl guides, um just to go on your own or with your unit. I think you can go and visit. Like I just yeah, don't it's think a sleepovers museum, are allowed anymore. Yeah. Um so I found some history on Casaloma. Um that I some facts I thought were super interesting. So um, the land was purchased by Henry Pellet in 1903 and began construction in 1911. Um, the cost to build the castle was about uh, 3.5 million, which is 81 million dollars today. Um, Ooh. Yeah, and some of the amenities in this house built in 1911 were an elevator, an oven large enough to cook an ox, central vacuum, <laughs> two secret passages, a pool, and bowling alleys. Yeah, the pool and bowling alleys in the basement. I forgot about those. Those are yeah. wild. Um, there's also downstairs in that basement part with the pool and um, the bowling alley in between, there's a hallway, and they have all these movie posters um, stuck up on the walls for all the movies that have been filmed there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the outside of Castle Loma has been used to film one of the X Men movies, like yeah. where they see the court, the back of it, and then the other movie that I only stuck in my mind because I used to watch it um, as a kid um, was the Tuxedo, and I think they used the pool, but I can't remember. It might have been a different part. Um, but there's also other movies. Um, those were the ones I had seen yeah most recently um, if you're listening to this you know kind of when it comes out in June 2020 um, the new Amazon show Ready or Not um, was filmed at Castle Loma or at least in part Um, so definitely still used after World War 1 um the city of Toronto was struggling in a um, 
depression before the Great Depression. So this was pretty quick after the war ended. Um, and they skyrocketed the taxes on the property um, from $600 a year to $1,000 a month. Ooh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. So they couldn't afford that, which is more than valid. Um. That is a huge increase. Um. And they had to uh leave the house. Um. In 1923. Um. Oh, the castle was a hotel for a short time. Um. And then fell into a little bit of neglect and disrepair. Um, in 1937, the Kiwanis Club um, leased it and began operating the castle as a tourist des- destination. Um, they used parts of the building or parts of the building and the outhouses to conceal um, research for sonar during World War II. Um, the Girl Guide Room was opened in 1973. Um, it has artifacts and elements of guiding throughout history, which is super cool. It's a great place to go see a good snapshot of guiding through the last 110 or so years. Um, and then the Kiwanis Club got in a little bit of hot water for misusing the building upkeep fund to support their club versus the building Ooh. and got kicked out. Um, and the city of Toronto took over operations in 2011, um, and then leased it out again to Liberty Entertainment Group, who took over the operation of the building, um, and museum, um, and part of the agreement is that they are to, um, spend money to upgrade, to continue upgrading the building, which they've done with an addition of a new restaurant and, um, some of the events that you've talked that you talked about the haunting house, haunted house, and um, all that kind of stuff. Um, so definitely a crazy history. I somehow never been. Mm-hmm. I've driven by it a bunch of times, but was never hmm. high enough on my to do list. So I've wanted to go for I, a while. Yeah. I just it's inconvenient to get to, especially if like. You live in the suburbs of Toronto. It's mm. not the easiest place. If I'm going into the city for something, um, I want to either like have yeah. an easy drive there or be able to take transit. And yeah, it's not true. the easiest place. I I think we got lucky. I got lucky when we went, and we must have gone in. Oh boy. I feel like it had to, well, clearly it had to be either 2011, 2012, or 2013. Because um, those were the three years I was in Rangers. I think it might have been 2011 or the fall of 2010. Because um, that was I was in my first year of Rangers. I think that was it. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, in between there. So that must, that means it was under whose control? Um Kiwanis. Oh, that's interesting because when I was there, I thought it was pretty good, but maybe they failed to upkeep after I had been there. Yeah. Um. So under an agreement they had reached with the city in the early two thousands, they you know agreed that part of the proceeds would go towards the building upkeep. And at the end of that time, um, they were um estimates when they you know agreed to it said that there would be, like, $1.5 million in this fund, and there was, you know, a little over $300,000, and I don't know. I didn't get into it too much, but um, the city got pissed and kicked them <laughs> out um, and took over control yeah. of operation in the building. It is it is tough to get to um, places in Toronto, especially that one being so close to downtown Toronto. Um, it's parking first of all it's just not easy to find parking anywhere um and then you're also if you're with a girl guide group it's getting the girls there and back and like sometimes there's struggles unless you do it as a huge group with multiple units Mm -hmm. like it's hard to book a bus because buses can then be expensive and if you don't fill them it's not worth it so yeah yeah it can be tough it can be tough to get there um 
maybe would recommend with a smaller group of friends or something if you want to go just on your own, mm-hmm. like without girl girl guides. Um, but there are some benefits, I think, if you go with a unit because maybe they'll give you some more like insider information. And like you, you can usually then go on a tour, like a guided tour, I'm thinking, as opposed yeah. to going on your own around. But yeah, um, so there's tons of stuff to do if you can get there. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not soon because travel isn't going to happen for a while, but in the future. It can go um, on our if list. If you're coming of... to Canada. Yeah. yeah. Can go I was going to say, if you're coming to Canada and you're a girl guide from outside of Canada or you're coming from within Canada and coming to visit Toronto specifically, um, definitely see Castelloma. Um, there's, with the girl guiding roots behind it, it's worth it. And yes, Canada's history is not very long, and Europeans probably think it's cute that we get excited over things that are 100 years old and they have <laughs> much older castles. But this one's worth it, I promise. It's yeah. a good one. Especially for the guiding room, having that chance to peer into the guiding history. Uh, mm-hmm. And we can add it to our field trip list along with the, what was it, the Lunar Museum? Oh, yes. There's so many. I feel like I've not actually been writing things down. I've just been saying, like, add it yeah. to the list, the figurative list. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Toronto's fairly easy to get to once uh, you know what you're doing and, um, you know, once that's allowed. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> One day. Yeah, it's worth it. It's even nicer when you've got friends who live in Toronto and you can stay at their place. But um, my one friend who used to live there no longer lives there, so it's like, ah, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And my parents live just far enough away that it's inconvenient. It's just as easy yeah. to come back here, <laughs> like to Kitchener versus stay like going out to their place. Anyway, so that's Lady Mary Pellet. Um mm-hmm. learned a few new things that I didn't know. Of course, I couldn't recall all the history that I learned the yeah. one time I visited. So it was nice to hear it all. And um also sad to hear that she died what sounded to be fairly early in her life although well, she was born in 57 so she was born I mean, in, I, I should have written down how old she was but she was born in 1857 and died in 1924 so she would have 75 ish 60 hold on math 67 i don't know yeah Someone i think email 67 so I mean I mean it's it's probably good for the that time in yeah. terms of longevity, but now people are <laughs> um living so much longer. And I mean who knows, like her health, right? Yeah. Maybe her health conditions she had pre existing conditions that shortened her life. Um mm-hmm. but you know, lived I guess a fairly good life and I hope fulfilling sounded fulfilling. Um so that brings us to Zena, our camp player song this week. Zena, 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 can't you hear the music playing in the village square? Zena, 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 can't you hear the music playing in the village square? Zena, Zena, join the celebration. There'll be people there from every nation. Love that song. So as yeah, as you mentioned to me um, earlier, this I seem to get the songs and the stuff that has a lot of research behind it, like has yeah. a lot of material to look at. Um, and Zena has a whole history that I was unaware of. Um, so we'll start off with where it came from. So originally, Zena was written in 1941 in Hebrew um, by Issachar Miron um, and Oh, I'm going to butcher this next name. Yehiel Hags. They're both Hebrew names, so I'm, I definitely butchered those. But anyway, they're written um, and the song was written and the lyrics were written by them. Um, so it only became popular when it was taken outside of its context and different lyrics were made up in English. Um, so Miran, who helped write them, was born in 1990. Ni- oh, sorry, 1919, <laughs> and he left Poland at the age of 19, and therefore avoided the Holocaust. Um, he left at a pretty good time. Yeah. Um, and then he emigrated to what was then known as the British Mandate of Palestine, which is now called Israel. Um, 
And then in 1941, he did end up serving in the Jewish Brigade of the British Forces. Um, so, you know, still involved with the war, but maybe not in such a bad place. Mm-hmm. Had he been in Poland, it might not have turned out as well for him. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, but he did. He did survive, so fortunately for that. Um, and while he was serving, he composed the melody for the lyrics that were written by um, Hegez or Shegez. It's his last name. And um, the song just started to become popular in Palestine and was played on the Kol Yisrael radio service. Um, so gained popularity from its in its natural roots and its natural environment. Um, and just sort of gained popularity. It spread just between other Jewish people and it grew popular within that. Um, and then people like Pete Seeger, for instance, who is a folk singer and songwriter, heard about it from Jews. So Pete lived in New York when he was um, 19 or 20, and he met, he was meeting these young Jews who were singing um, traditional Jewish songs. Um, And he, at the time, was playing the banjo because he was a folk singer and a songwriter. Um, And they were both sort of attracted to each other. So him playing the banjo and them singing, they started to like come up with songs and melodies together and they just really liked it and then eventually someone shared the song Zena with Pete um, and he learned it in Hebrew um, and there is a video that I watched of him singing it in Hebrew and it sounds really cool um, and it sounds really cool with banjo I will say um, so yeah they it's a good one it's one of the links um, and they play, so they played songs together and <laughs> He learned that song from one of the young men in 1948. So, um, I mean, not too long after it was written. That's about yeah. seven years. So it it quickly got over to New York um, and gained popularity. Mm-hmm. And then um, he's, Pete started teaching it to other people. And that some of the people he taught it to were the Weavers, who sang it all together. Um, they didn't really realize what it meant, its significance or its history. Um, but they started to sing it, and they sang it in a Greenwich Village nightclub um, where Gordon Jenkins heard it and made up English words to it and arranged it for the Weavers to record. Um, the Weavers were a singing group, in case you were a little confused. Um, and so having made the arrangement, they sang it with Gordon Jenkins and his orchestra backing them. Um, and then that version was then released by Decca Records um, on one side of a two-sided hit when, you know, records were real records. Um, funnily enough, um, Zena reached number two on the Billboard magazine charts in 1950. That's while crazy. the flip side, Night Irene reached number one. I'm sure you've heard of Goodnight Irene. If not, you will have heard the music. Um, it's a very yeah. popular song. But I found it interesting that they know the flip side and like the the coincidence of that being on there. Yeah, that's crazy. And like so, yeah. when I learned it, no one I knew knew it. Like I, you know, started singing it uh, home one day because um, my mom was a girl guide, so we always, like we would talk about campfire songs, um, and she had never heard it before. Um, but she you know, would have been a little young in the 50s. Maybe not quite born yet. Um, but definitely, like, if it was number two, um, I couldn't imagine her not knowing of it, but maybe just making yeah. my mom out to be older than she is. <laughs> well, my mom was definitely not born yet, so, but I don't know if maybe they heard it later or not. Um yeah. But um, I was also thinking, too, like, I always assumed it was a Girl Guide song, but clearly yeah. it's not people outside of Girl Guide to know it. And so this was all new to me. Um, so funnily enough, Miron, the original composer, and Seeger didn't meet until about 1980. So that was a lot later on. Um, and there's a video about them talking about, you know, explaining to people how Zena 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 came to be in English and, like, how Miron and Seeger started mm-hmm. to work together. Um, and they didn't work together until the 90s. Um, but at that point, they're partnered, they partnered up and they were trying to see how they could change the song slightly enough so that it could spread more widely like it did in the 50s. So they were tar- trying to make a revival. So maybe then our parents would have more likely have heard it then. Maybe. Um, 
but um Miran was very much like uh wanting them to work on this thing and make it happen um and he was very appreciative of Pete he said um the truth is Pete Seeger made it a song of peace and made it a song of joy and god bless him and god bless the singers Mm -hmm. um so very much you know appreciative of him and um I guess that reminds me, I should talk about where, what the original Hebrew lyrics were yeah. because um, they don't mean the same thing that they mean when we sing it. Um, so I'm not going to speak Hebrew because I don't know it. Um, <laughs> but I will tell you the transliteration from Hebrew to English. Um, so what it they say is, go out, go out, go out, girls, and see soldiers in the Moshava, which is a farming community. Um, do not, do not, do not hide yourself away from a virtuous man which was a pun for the word soldier, um, an army man. So basically the song is saying it's the end of the war. Girls come out, come out and like greet your, your soldiers, greet yeah. the men. Um, but do not be modest. Don't hide away. Give them like a good welcome. <laughs> so it, I guess it was sort of a celebration song already. And then the lyrics changed to be a little bit more generic and less about the war and just more about singing and dancing in, in the village square. So yeah, very nice less, um, um, that they were able to do that and that, he was okay with us doing that. Yeah, a little less um, sexual and forward and more just a party. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, there was sort of a little bit of legal and licensing issues at one point. So the people who recorded that with the um, deck of records when they did it, um, it was part of um, – so Cromwell Music Incorporated – um, claimed the rights to the song at the time and had licensed the Decca release. Um, and they had alleged at the time that the music had been composed by a person named Spencer Ross. Though in reality, that was completely fictitious, as we know, um, and was just conducted to hide the melody's true authorship. So then Miran's publisher heard about it, um, and Miran's publisher was Mills Music Inc., and they sued Cromwell Music, and they won. Um and if you want to know what Cromwell's claim was to it, the reason they thought they could defend it was that um, the melody was based on a traditional folk song and was thus in public domain. But the presiding judge, of course, like, like dismissed that and said, yeah. like, no, it was not. Um, so good for Moran. He won. Um, mm-hmm. You can see both sides to, like, how you make a real partnership with someone and make the song an English version and versus, yeah. like, someone else just trying to feel it under the guise of, oh, it's public domain. Yeah. Um, you know, everything gets, you get a lot further with cooperation than um, yeah. fighting things. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, a- and interestingly enough, the version that the Weavers sang is, is similar to the version we know as Girl Guys, like the English version, but mm-hmm. there are still some slight differences. But yeah. um, overall, like, it's, it's sung the same way and, um, it's it's a nice like celebration song. You can see it at campfire. Easy to learn. The lyrics yeah. are repetitive, um, and you can actually sing it in a round too. I don't know if I sung it around, but I have sung it multiple times. Yeah, I've definitely sung it around. It's really pretty. It's another song that's been stuck in my head all week, two weeks since we picked it. <laughs> yeah, it just like you were saying at the start of our campfire this week. It seems like it's either really hit or miss with how much information we can find on any of our songs. So last week, um, I know I was a little bit frustrated that I couldn't find anything beyond it's from somewhere in Africa. Uh, (laughs) Like, couldn't even find, at least not easily, what language it is um, versus like a page and a half of notes that you were able to find. Um, Just yeah crazy it is Um, and it's totally up to the internet that's where we're doing our research from so you can't you can't do anything about it no unfortunately i wish there was more but yeah some of the songs we we sing is like are so great and have like been sung for so long you would think there'd be more history but it isn't not always um but this one so much more history than I knew, um, or even like could have imagined. I thought it was like just an old, like folk song or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. hopefully this so gets that I guess stuck in everyone's head for this week. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, especially in terms of celebration. It's a good celebration song. It is. It's celebrating, I think. So, yeah. you know, get in the spirit of the Zena song. Um, I always, like, whenever I hear it, I think, yeah, like, I can picture the streets, the village square, and people coming out and celebrating. And it's always, like, a Spanish, I know it's not the right <laughs> country, but I always think of Spain and, like, a village square with, like, cobblestones and, like, the roofs and, like, sun and, oh, that's what I imagine. But it's, like, nighttime. It's evening. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I have this picture in my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that brings us to the end of another episode. Um, so as always, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever. Um, wherever you find us, give us a five-star rating and a review to let us know that you're listening and enjoying. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned earlier, you can follow us on social media just like our friend Eloise did. Um, we are at GuideZone on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can message us on any of those. We will eventually respond. Um, I'm not always on it 24-7 and neither is Taryn, so yeah. we'll try our best. Um, but if you're subscri- uh, subscribed to those, um, you'll be kept up to date on the newest episodes, any news, um, even behind-the-scenes bits, um, and lots of fun stuff that you want to keep in touch with. Um, yeah. So as we part, we wish you all a good end of year, mm-hmm. happy guiding, um, and advancement to all those girls advancing, um, and happy end of year to the guiders who work so hard. Yes, definitely. Guiding wouldn't be what it is without the guiders, so happy guiding to you. Day is done, gone the sun, from the lake, from the hills. From the sky, all is well, safely rest, peace is nigh.